Welcome to You Heard It Here First, the show that helps you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, and each week we'll be bringing you honest opinions on Audible's new releases, as well as hidden gems that we've discovered. And we don't want you to just take our word for it. We'll be hearing your reviews and asking you to tell us about your favourite listens in our genre corner. Let's start the show with our latest review from you. This week, we're featuring Tim C, who left this review for My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyinkin Braithwaite. First-class story, exceptional narration. This is a fun novel with a cracking story. There's a cast of comic characters who are swimming around in a very dark tale, and Wurracha Opia has brought them to life. She narrates the tale with sparkle and energy, and brings out the humour and emotion with a relaxed read. She seemed to be having as much fun reading it as I had listening to it. The story is set in Nigeria, and since I'm not as familiar with Nigerian voices as others might be, the narration also really helped with the sound of the voices. This gives the audiobook an advantage over the written text, in my view. Overall, a great production. That was Tim C's review of My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyinkan Braithwaite. You can find it by searching on the Audible website or on the app. Now it's on to our featured new release, and this week I've chosen Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. Before I begin, I should say I'm a huge, huge Marie Forleo fan. I've watched nearly all of her videos, and yes, I've even purchased one of her courses. So when I found out she was releasing an audiobook, there was just no chance that I wouldn't be listening to it. Everything is Figureoutable is a self-help book. Now, that might not be your thing, but trust me, this book is totally worth it. It's full of quotable moments, tough love, and empowering mantras, and I bloody loved every second of it. Marie got the phrase, everything is figureoutable, from her mum, and in the book she starts by explaining how that mantra has got her through the most difficult chapters of her life. From facing insurmountable debt to launching her life coaching business, the belief that everything is figureoutable is what kept her going. In fact, she was so determined that when she first decided to switch to life coaching, she immediately quit her 9-to-5 job. Marie kept herself going by doing lots of odd jobs like waiting tables and bartending to pay the bills. Marie has an infectious personality and that is not lost in this audiobook. She narrates the book herself and it's just like listening to her YouTube channel. The book has lots of standout chapters. The ones I really enjoyed were about taming your fears, dealing with criticism and defining your dreams. Marie says that we should break down our dreams into smaller, actionable steps to avoid being overwhelmed by them. This is something I'll definitely be trying. It sounds like a lot of this is common sense, but it packs way more of a punch hearing it from Marie. Here's a clip to show you what I'm talking about. Step four, make it specific, measurable, and actionable. The secret of getting ahead is getting started. The secret of getting started is breaking your complex, overwhelming tasks into small, manageable tasks and then starting on the first one. Mark Twain. Whether or not Mark Twain actually said that is debatable. Nevertheless, those words are the truth. Every dream must be chunked down and clarified in order to get started. In this step, you must convert your dream into something specific, measurable, and actionable. For example, get in shape becomes be able to do 20 full-on push-ups within 30 days. Or if you want to form a habit of working out consistently, maybe something like this. 
get in shape becomes work out five days a week for 30 minutes for the next 30 days, no matter what. Find a new career might become register for that photography workshop and find at least three local photographers to talk with by Sunday. Make more money might become increase my net worth by paying off my credit card debt over the next 18 months. Fix my marriage might become interview at least three couples therapists and read that Getting the Love You Want book within six weeks. FYI, that book is magic. At times, the book does really lean into the self-help talk. You know the kind, too many platitudes, and the idea that you can speak anything into existence. I only half believe this sort of thing, but if you're not into self-help books, this might be something to bear in mind. It's peppered with anecdotes from Marie's fans and followers who have used her figureoutable philosophy. Yes, some of them are a bit self-congratulatory, but they do serve to illustrate the wider point she's making, so I didn't hold it against her. The whole book is just under eight hours long, and I think it is 100% worth the credit. It is succinct, focused, and a super easy listen. It's also incredibly practical with exercises littered throughout. I'll definitely be adding this to my repeat listens list. Like I said, I cannot recommend this enough. Go and check out Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo and see if it changes your life as much as it changed mine. And now it's on to our hidden gem. I've had a look through the Audible store to find an old listen that you might have missed. And this week we're featuring a podcast. What Were You Thinking is a show about young people who make surprising choices. The podcast is a series of six and it covers a range of topics from teenagers who decided to join ISIS to young people who are trying to solve their addiction to gaming. What I really loved about this was having the opportunity to listen to stories from across the world. The program is presented by Dina Temple-Raston, who you might recognise from her work on NPR. Dina is great. She has a brilliant way of delivering the stories, which adds a layer of intrigue, and you also actually feel like you're on a journey with her. The series has a diary-like feel to it, and I think it works really well. There's a great mix of experts and young people, and I think it uses clips brilliantly, which help you feel like you're actually visiting these people. Plus, it's jam-packed with facts. Like, did you know there are 24-hour gaming cafes in Korea? Well, now you do. Series like this can sometimes feel like adults looking at teenagers' lives as if they're aliens from another planet. But I think the show manages to walk the line really well. You don't feel like Dina is ever dumbing down these young people's experiences. Here's a clip from one of my favourite episodes. So what is it in the adolescent brain that might be compelling young people like Yol and Felix to play internet games for hours? Korean researchers may have a head start in piecing that together. They say it has to do with the brain's natural development. Any parent knows that colors and shapes are enough stimulation to keep babies and toddlers happy. Adolescents, which scientists define as people between the ages of 13 and 24, crave a different kind of stimulation, something that combines concentration with strategy, which, no surprise here, sounds exactly like an internet game. And in Korea, there's a social component, too. Internet games aren't just something you play in your room. It comes packaged as a spectacle with crowds and professional players and huge cash prizes. Internet game enthusiasts fill whole stadiums or downtown arenas to watch their favorite teams play. It's like the NFL, but without the turf. 
And in case you think this is a crazy Korean thing, it isn't. Las Vegas has its own esports team, and the casinos there are trying to figure out how they can get a piece of this internet gaming action. That was a clip from What Were You Thinking, hosted by Dina Temple Raston. You can find it on Audible. And on You Heard It Here First, I'm not the only one who will be recommending you some audio goodness. Joining me every week in the studio will be two editors from Audible to tell me about the books that they've been loving. First up is Gabe Fleming. Hello, Gabe. Hi. Could you tell us a bit about the book you've chosen for us today? Yeah, so the book I've chosen today is The Rabbit Girls by Anna Ellery. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a fantastically ambitious novel in the sheer scope of it. So it's essentially a book about the Holocaust and about the horrors that went on inside the concentration camps. And then it's got kind of um, real-time perspective Mm. of Berlin um, in the late 80s, just as the Berlin Wall was coming down and um, kind of the end of the Cold War and the Iron Curtain and all that. So you've got kind of dual stories of oppression yeah you've got a girl first person narrative also and it's kind of a joint first person narrative she swaps with her dad her dad's talking in the 1940s at the outbreak of war and she's talking in the kind of current day but in the late 80s so you've got the berlin wall coming down you've got kind of the end of that period of history and you've got the second world war ending um within that you've also got a narrative she's in a, a quite abusive relationship where she's subjected to some quite horrific physical and psychological abuse so it's a it's not a light read i'll say that you've got auschwitz yeah you've got domestic abuse you've got the kind of um you know abuse as it's seen through the through the prism of memory and kind of Mm -hmm. how that affects people in their life it's a fantastic read upsetting difficult but quite a rewarding read in the end are there any kind of light-hearted or touching moments to kind of break up the kind of more heavy bits? Yes. I'm glad you asked that so it's not all doom and gloom, but there, yeah. there certainly are. There's some incredibly strong female characters and some really strong friendships that mm-hmm. develop. Um, the title of the book, The Rabbit Girls, is taken from a a group of young girls, Jewish young girls in concentration camps who basically had unspeakable kind of medical um, experiments oh, wow. done on them. So you've got all this horror, but then you've got really strong friendships develop, even in this horrific, you know, this horrific scenario. In the modern day kind of Berlin setting, you've got a friendship between the main character and someone who she meets, who's helping her translate some letters that were basically she found on her mother's uniform and that provides the whole link to the kind of World War II part of the story. So there's some real uplifting bits within it. And as the kind of narrative unfolds, these friendships become more and more important. That sounds quite good, Gabe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of in the phase of the book where I'm like, not sure. But I think that's probably because I'm quite conflicted about one of the main characters. I don't think it's a massive spoiler to say that he's having, or at least it implies that he's about to have an affair. And I personally found that to be quite hard to read to understand how he's got his daughter which is one of the narratives that's running Miriam and then Henry which I think he's known in the book he's got his story and he's kind of hailing back to the past as you mentioned and he's talking about this Frida person and he mentions his wife a lot as well I personally found it quite conflicting did you experience that? Not exactly, but I know what you mean. It was almost like the sin of his, you know, his infidelity mm. in the grand scheme of things was like, well, that, that was barely even seen as a sin. I think his wife sort of took this approach of quite stern annoyance 
which seemed a little bit under <laughs> understating it. Yeah, like <laughs> to look mm, at that's it. naughty of you, dear. Like you're having a full-on <laughs> affair with a young girl, and this is the forties, and not a time where that was you know not acceptable now, obviously, but yeah. even more of a taboo subject. So yeah, I, I do know what you mean. I thought yeah. there was. Yeah, there was some some fighting for air early on with me, and I think by the end she really does make it work. Did you like any of the main characters? I liked Henrik, and that might just be because I'm also a middle-aged man. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was um, he was conflicted and he was imperfect, and this is kind of how I like my characters because I think real people are like that. Mm. Um, I didn't think, and obviously this might just be a really cack-handed man's interpretation, I think he genuinely fell in love with someone else and he knew he was doing the wrong thing, but he couldn't help himself. Obviously this doesn't excuse this kind of behaviour, but I thought the way that was executed, the way he struggled with himself, Mm. he was complicit in his affair, he felt he was complicit, like I'm sure everyone at the time did, who didn't do anything to stop some of the things that happened. Yeah. Um, when maybe he could have, didn't resist. There was opportunities for him to get away early on and he never would have gone to the concentration camps, but he couldn't leave because of this girl who he was having a completely wrong affair with. But he was doing it for really reasons of the heart. So I didn't. it doesn't excuse it, but I, I, I warmed to his... Um, God, this is just going to sound like... <laughs> I'm excuse- I really liked him because he had an affair. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to say. I really liked him because he was he had a lot of conundrums to deal with and he didn't yeah. deal deal with them very well. But in the end he he had to do what he had to do and he had to live with it and he really struggled with that and it really it tore him apart over the course of his whole life. Um and it was just really it ended in a way where he got s- sort of some closure. So it was just satisfying. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you. The Rabbit Girls by Anna Ellery was Gabe's pick of the week. And back with us to share another great recommendation is Harriet Poland. Hey, Harriet. Hello. How are you? Very well. How are you? Good, thank you. Can you tell us what book you've chosen and why? I've chosen The Trauma Cleaner by Sarah Krasnerstein. It's a biography of a woman called Sandra Pankhurst, who is a trauma cleaner. That's someone who goes into the houses of people who've been through crises, whether that's hoarding or general disrepair or indeed after crime scenes. And she cleans them. And um, I think she's the most empathetic and human person I've ever encountered in a book. What is it about Sandra that makes her so intriguing? It's so hard to say. She's completely captivating because I think she's been through so much. So she has this total honesty and openness that I think a lot of people who go through incredible trauma have. But she's also incredibly engaged in everyone around her. Um, She's a complicated person. She's not always right. But she's always kind of completely true to herself. Yeah, I've experienced that really early on in the book when she starts interacting with the people whose houses, well, the sites that she cleans. I mean, it's a mixture of crime scenes and people's houses and people Mm. are living in like absolute squalor. Mm. And she is very empathetic because a lot of the people she does encounter are like suffering with mental health issues or their own traumas and hurts and pains and have kind of come to deal with their lives and really kind of unnatural ways I guess and I think the descriptions in the book about some of those scenes are really quite Mm. beautiful like there's a scene which I think Sarah describes as there's a smell in the air that's almost like death is beyond death Mm. it's kind of 
it's like despair. It, it's despair it's like when human life has just stopped existing like when you've given up on life mm. and then there's death what is that feeling of like complete hopelessness yeah i think that's what's so amazing is that she comes into these houses where the um emotional devastation of people's lives yeah. is made physical and it's in their environment and for anyone who hasn't encountered sites of trauma like this and hoarding and the filth that she encounters it's really shocking image and i think the way that sandra's able to just walk into those environments and understand exactly how they've happened but also present this optimistic and positive person that those individuals can relate to mm -hmm. it's really astonishing to see that connection happen were you ever worried about sandra when reading because quite early on i don't think this is a spoiler but quite early on we learned that she's got like a really horrible lung disease mm. so she's constantly having to like walk around with like oxygen and a mask um and she could die she could just like start coughing and die at any moment do you ever feel worried when you're kind of following her story like why is this woman doing this like does she need to do this yeah and i think that's one of the things that sarah the writer does so well is is show the fragility of sandra at the end when you She tells a little bit about her really fraught relationships with her sons. And you leave the book knowing that Sandra's, you know, perhaps not okay and perhaps really struggling. I think you do come away feeling quite upset about that. But at the same time, it's you've learned so much from Sandra in how she goes about life that you, you sort of think she'll be able to manage with whatever comes her way. Yeah. Do you think there's a certain type of listener that could handle this story or is it really for everyone? Actually, it was incredible how wide a selection of people fell in love with it. And I think that's all down to the way Sarah tells the story. Mm -hmm. It's so human and it's so engaging. And it's actually, it's just storytelling. It's not a polemic about these yeah. issues. You know, it's not some treaties. It's a really powerful and impassioned story about someone who's amazing. And it doesn't matter who they are or their background. It's just an amazing story. I agree. I really liked it. I thought it's really beautifully told and it really sticks with you. There's so many moments that you're just like, you do stop and you're like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Especially with um, Sandra's own personal story and personal history and the way she interacts with everyone. Like you said earlier, is this huge amount of empathy and love mm. and patience that she mm. has for them, in, even though she's got her own stuff. But it's also really sad. <laughs> Yeah. Did you ever find yourself kind of tearing up or crying whilst reading? Yeah, and I think it's, you've completely hit upon it. It's the patience. And when she goes into one of these um, these houses and she's dealing with these people, and it's the way Sandra's able to just understand why it's so difficult for that person to mm. change their lives. And she doesn't come in and, you know, get out the rubber gloves and push them to the side. It's not about the cleaning, really. It's all about her understanding this person enough to make them want to change their lives. Thanks, Harriet. You're so welcome. Remember, you can find both the books our editors have recommended today by searching for them on Audible. Every week, we share at least seven different titles from Audible that we think you might love. Subscribe so you don't miss out. Now back to the show. And now it's time to dip into the Audible Sessions archive. Each week, I shine a spotlight on one of the interviews the Audible team has done with its brilliant authors. This week, I've chosen a clip from Holly Newsom's interview with Jonathan Van Ness. You might know Jonathan as one of the fab five from Queer Eye. He's also a writer and a comedian. 
He joined Holly in the studio to talk about his autobiography, Over the Top. He also talks about living with HIV and being a survivor of abuse. It's well worth listening to the full session. If you follow Jonathan on social media, you know he's a huge cat lover. So here he is talking about why. And you also say in the book that you hate uncertainty, which I can completely get. How do you deal with life's myriad of uncertain moments? Um, I smoke weed. And I used to see my therapist twice a week. And that sort of covers all bases. Oh, and my cats. <laughs> I, like, I get a lot of, like, joy and comfort from my cats. Yeah. I mean, every girl's got to have her hobby. Yeah. You oh, know, 100%. I mean, shit. I, you know, it works for me. How many cats do you have now? Four. And <clears throat> how do you stop yourself having more? Because it's illegal to have more than four cats in New York City in an apartment I read. Is it? Yeah, I think I've hit the limit. Okay. I think in Los Angeles, it's six. Right. Well, my dad's gonna adopt a black cat because when Bug the first died last summer, I got like Liza and Bug the second, and then when Bug the second died unexpectedly, when I went the same day to the pound to adopt two cats, because I have this rule where if I lose one cat, I adopt two. It's like the Charlotte's Web rule of cats. I held like another black cat. And I was like, oh my god, like a Bug the third. It like actually like made me have like a tremor, and I was like, oh my god, I like can't have a black cat. Like I actually do have to mourn baby Bug the first and Bug the second before I get like another black cat. But I think my dad is gonna get a black cat. And if you're listening to this right now and you've been thinking about adopting a cat, maybe get a black one because so many black cats get put to sleep because of superstitious people thinking mm. that, and actually, if you have a black cat at home, it's actually good luck. Didn't you know that? Duh. <laughs> totally agree with Jonathan on the black cat front. I've had two black cats in my life and I think they're absolutely fantastic. This interview is full of highs and lows, but ultimately it is truly rewarding to hear Jonathan talk about the rise in his career, his life as a gymnast, his podcast, which is just excellent. He's just a hoot. You're going to really enjoy this session. Check out Jonathan's full Audible session with Holly Neeson on the Audible website or on the app, where you can also find his autobiography over the top for your listening pleasure. And now it's time to head to our genre corner. You know the drill by now. Each week, I pick one of your reviews to feature here. This week, our recommendation comes from David, who couldn't wait to share his favourite bit of epic fantasy. Hi, Emil. My favourite genre to listen to is fantasy. I love listening to fantasy because when I was a young child, I used to go on holiday to my grandma's house and I'd listen to fantasy cassette tapes, listen to things like Lord of the Rings or Narnia, and it would really just be such a warm and comforting experience. And and now as an adult, I love listening to books, fantasy books on Audible. It kind of really brings back that, that warm, comforting feeling. What I'd recommend is, um, well, it's the first book in a series that I listened to recently on Audible, which is The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan. Uh, it's the first book in a 13-book uh, kind of massive story, and it uh, begins in a small town in, in the middle of a forest in the countryside. It's about how some young people get caught up in a magical plot, and they, they, it's all about them in the end having to save the world, but it's a huge scope, and it's a huge world gets built everyone. There's lots of lines of plot, but the simplest thing, it's, it's, it's a far between good and evil, and it's a great book, really well-performed on Audible, and... And it also can lead you to read on the next, you know, the rest of the books in the series. I did it, it took me over two years to finish all the books. Wow, thanks, David. What dedication. 13 books. That sounds truly epic. Eye of the World by Robert Jordan is available on Audible. 
Please keep sending in your recommendations as we really love hearing them. All you need to do is send us a 90 second voice note telling us why your favorite listen should be featured next. Start your message with, Hi, Imriel, that's me, and let me know what you've been loving. Then send it over to us at yhihf at audible.co.uk. But as always, keep this a spoiler free zone. that's all for this week's you heard it here first what are you waiting for now's your chance to go and listen to some more amazing audio and don't forget to send us your book reviews for genre corner you've been listening to you heard it here first an audible original produced by content is queen presented by me imriel morgan and featuring gabe fleming and harriet poland it was produced by ellie clifford original music was by seth bradford for Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson, the production executive was Haley Nathan, and the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Pinto.